There is a reason that our reading this morning from 1 Corinthians is so popular at weddings. It is, after all, about love and its power to strengthen and move us. Couples so deeply in love that they are pledging their lives to one another are attracted to the language of this passage, grace-filled, hope-filled. This is how we want to love each other when we are married. We want it all, patience, kindness, endurance, rejoicing in our lives and in our homes and families. It seems like the perfect recipe for beginning a new life together. To interpret 1 Corinthians 13 as about love between two people is fine. After all, no matter how it is interpreted, it is about relationship. But this is a letter from Paul, and it was written to a whole community in Corinth, not just two people. When we take a step back, it's revealed that 1 Corinthians 13 is wider and broader and deeper than two people, more extensive than any wedding. When we step back, we can see how this passage applies to all of us, our whole community, at every stage of our lives. Don't panic. I'm not going to ruin your memories of your wedding or tell you that you made a bad choice, bad theological interpretation, I promise. I just want us to look a little harder at this passage. There is a complexity here that gets missed when we confine it only to love between two. My colleagues and I, we preach a lot about love, and I hope that the reason for that is obvious. I think I can speak for all of us and most of the Episcopal Church and much of Protestant Christianity When I say we believe that love is at the heart of the gospel, central to the message, part and parcel to our way of moving through the world. But I get worried about preaching that message sometimes. I get worried because I'm afraid you will either glaze over, here we go again, Or you'll assume that I'm talking about some kind of dewy-eyed, friendly, helpful kind of love that requires us to never hurt anyone's feelings. 1 Corinthians 13 could take us there. That is dangerous territory. That is love with no teeth. That is a love that, while nice, won't get anything done. That kind of love is reserved for Valentine's Day cards and inspirational posters, and it gets under my skin. So let's look instead at the situation to which Paul is responding. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is responding to a pastoral crisis in that nascent community. The people of the church in Corinth got the message that they are all supposed to have gifts before God. But now they are abusing those gifts. They are boasting about them, refusing to share, looking down their noses at the gifts of their neighbors. They are hell-bent on seeking personal recognition and higher positions in their church. They are acting scornful and prideful. 
We've read part of Paul's response to this crisis of behavior over the last couple of weeks. There are many kinds of gifts, says Paul. The body needs hands and feet and eyes. We are individually useless without the whole body intact. We need all the gifts at the table, he reminds the community at Corinth. No one is more important than the others. But then what does he say next? If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Actions matter, and so do gifts, but attitude matters more. If we are not offering our diverse gifts to God and community with love, says Paul, we are nothing. Our gifts are nothing. Love is paramount. There was a time in my life when I really struggled with this next section about love. It is actually one of the reasons that my husband and I didn't read it at our wedding. Love, says Paul next, is patient, kind, and not envious, boastful, arrogant, rude, or resentful. Going on this definition, I am the textbook opposite. I have never, ever been called patient or kind. And I've watched many of you, my friends, struggle with some of these demons too. We are, all of us, envious, boastful, arrogant, rude, and resentful, and a whole host of other unloving behaviors. How in the world are we supposed to achieve this? Is such a love humanly possible? No, I think it isn't. Not in my experience, anyway. As an individual trait of character, love, as Paul describes it, is impossible. But there is good news. We are not, nor have we ever been, called to thrive as individuals or to love in solitude. We are called into community all together. And we are called into this community that believes in a radical, death-defying, miraculous love. The kind of love that, though patient and kind, tears the curtain of the temple in two from top to bottom and reveals God's glory in the world. It is this community that all together is love embodied when we bring our gifts to the table, proud of what God is offering through us, not prideful in our achievements grateful for the resources God is making available for our use 
not boastful about our successes. Paul is not calling us to choose love from a menu of spiritual gifts. Paul is not calling us to love when we are able or when we feel up to it, nor is he telling us that love happens in a vacuum of perfect circumstance. Paul is helping us to understand that we, human beings created in the perfect image of a loving creator, will only be able to flourish to the extent that we can live into love, specifically the love of God as it is revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have to do all of this in the here and now, in this messy, confusing world of mixed messages. It is a tall, tall order. Through his letter to the Corinthians, Paul is reminding us that the love of God is always here. But it is up to us to choose to follow it, not our own wills. That we must boast of love, not of our own achievements. That we must rely on love, not our own skills. To belong to God's church in Corinth, and indeed in the rest of the world, is to be, an agent and, and to be an agent and a willing recipient of God's love, not seeking our own advantage, but working on behalf of the body. Love is patient and kind, even when I am not. Love is not arrogant, boastful, or rude, even when you are. Love abides here. We must choose to seek it, to follow it, to let it work through us and within us, the body of Christ, to create a better church, a better city, a better world. Amen.